2: Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Book your basketball stays at graduatehotels.com.
3: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
4: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
3: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
6: Boom. Here we are on a Tuesday yeah, sitting in for Doug. So you get a double dose Yeah, me and Bucky coming at you looking ahead to week 17 of the National Football League. Also looking back at what transpired in week 16, specifically what happened in Foxborough last night as the Buffalo Bills continue to roll. Now 12 and three on the season as they dismantle the New England Patriots 38 to nine. We dive into that and so much more. You can get Bucky on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. I'm at Dan Byer on Fox and, I don't know, Bucky, if it was anything that we didn't expect last night, but to actually see it, I don't know if it was a changing of the guard, the passing of the torch, uh, whatever it may be, but I know a conversation throughout the season for the Bills has been getting over that hump of winning the AFC East, and they already did that prior to to winning last night, and I know they have bigger things on their plate, but I would have to think that winning last night in Foxborough, no matter who the Patriots have on the field, no matter who their quarterback is, I would have to imagine it was a sweet- Sweet, sweet feeling for the Buffalo Bills to get out the brooms against their division rival.
7: Absolutely. Because this is a team, the new England Patriots that have dominated the division for 20 years, like they've owned the division. And so in Buffalo, this has always been kind of like the big bad wolf. And so could you dispatch of the big bad wolf? They won the division, but it's something different about knocking off the champion. And so for them to knock them off twice and to knock them off in their house in the way In which they were able to do it yeah i think if you're the buffalo bills you not only feel good about where you are this year but i think you feel great about where you are going forward in terms of trying to dominate and own this division
6: again 12 and three a team that's six and two on the road i know it's a little different with the COVID nature of what a road record is but buffalo goes to foxborough and gets the win josh allen what a night 320 yards four touchdowns in the victory and in the process also broke a team record that was held by Jim Kelly for the most touchdown passes in a single season. Josh Allen met with the media last night and afterwards had this to say about breaking the record held by Jim Kelly.
7: Not to sound cliche and like a, a broken record, but it's it's number 12. Uh, we got one game left and, you know, it. all that, it's cool, the, the records, this and that, um, but, you know, plan to get to 13-3. and three. And give ourselves a chance in the playoffs. Um, it doesn't mean much if we if we can't get it done. And uh, we've got our mindset on bigger things.
1: And um, first things first is uh, week 17 against the Dolphins.
6: Man, a lot of cliches. He may have set the record for cliches in a twenty second soundbite. <laughs> and that one, Bucky, maybe he broke Jim Kelly's record. Jim Kelly usually spit uh, straight. So but there was there was a lot in that. But to your point of everything that, you know, that that you said and what we saw last night, it is now a much bigger sort of deal for the Buffalo Bills because it's it's in their lap they I mean at, at 12 and three they're not going to get the, the number one seed we know that as Kansas City wrapped that up but when you go in with an opportunity to clinch the second seed get that home playoff game yeah, two home playoff games if you can get past the first weekend uh, this is uh, yeah this is this is different for a Buffalo Bills team they seem to be taking it all in stride so far uh, 15 games into the season with this great success.
7: Yeah, they are taking it in stride. And what I really love about the Buffalo Bills and what I'm really loving about Josh Allen and the way that he's going about his business, he's just so mature in terms of how they're focused. They're just so focused on the process. They're so focused on the next game. They're so focused on getting better each and every week that they're just, like, one, his level of maturity, his work ethic, um, his leadership ability, all that's to be commended. But from a cultural standpoint, the Buffalo Bills are just a locker room full of worker bees. They just go to work, and I think because it comes directly from their head coach Sean McDermott, who's also a worker bee, I just believe that this team is well positioned to be there and to be at the top of the AFC for a long time in AFCs.
6: Where, where where did it change for Josh Allen? We we knew the talent, we knew the arm strength, but when you look at you look at his rookie season. I'm not a big touchdown pass guy, but uh, it does tell you if you get your, your team in scoring position, 10 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. The next season, 20 touchdowns, nine picks. Now you add a 4,300-yard season as opposed to just a 3,000-yard season last year. He's got 34 touchdowns compared to just nine interceptions. Where did it change for him now in his third year?
7: I mean, I think it clicked. I think he clicked um, from the middle of the season last year until this season. I think he deserves a lot of credit for really working on his game, working on his flaws, continuing to stretch and grow as a passer and a playmaker. And I think Brian Dayball and the offense coordinator Brian Dayball and then the front office deserves credit for putting the right pieces around him to help him flourish. Brian Dayball has really constructed an offense that is perfect for Josh Allen's skill set. When Josh Allen was coming out of Wyoming, he was a deep ball thrower. He wanted to push the ball down the field. It was all about the vertical passing game. The Buffalo Bills have been able to take that part of his game, still utilize it, but feature more short and intermediate passes. He has helped them be able to put that in because he's worked on his accuracy, his ball placement, his decision-making. And so he's been really, really good at that. And we're seeing fewer of kind of like those oh-no moments where he would run around and kind of throw the ball across the field and sometimes we go mm-hmm. into the hands of the other team. He has really been very composed. He's played, um, what I would say, with a great deal of confidence. And I think that confidence has been infectious as this team has continued to get better and better and better.
6: I'm still not ready to put him ahead of Lamar Jackson as the best quarterback in 2018. Is that fair? No.
7: No, I, I, I don't think you can. I think right now, if if you want to make the case that it's a push, then I think you can make that case. But I don't think in good – I don't think in good faith you can say Josh Allen is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. And it's funny because we're having this debate and I'm looking at their numbers. Josh Allen has 89 total touchdowns. Lamar Jackson has 84 total touchdowns. The difference will be in the giveaways. Josh Allen has a few more giveaways than Lamar Jackson, but it's okay to say that, Hey, both of these guys have been good. Mm-hmm. Both of these guys have exceeded expectations. Both of these guys are going to be forces to be reckoned with and they can do it in their own unique styles. I think it's just fascinating to see different quarterbacks with different skill sets and different styles have success and we can move away from maybe some of the traditional thinking that we had at a quarterback position.
6: Well, I always I my biggest issue when we compare quarterbacks is the running quarterback does not get credit for being a running quarterback. Because we only think of a quarterback as the guy who can drop back and pick apart a part of defense. We'll, we'll maybe give Guy a credit for being able to move around in the pocket, for being able to escape and scramble. But we will never give credit for a guy who's able to run the football. And I just think – I think it's so absurd because it's – we're taking away something that is a strength – and could be looked at as a liability, especially now in the NFL in 2020. When you look at stationary quarterbacks, and we'll just take some of the old ones, but like mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, and Tom Brady, it is an issue when it comes to those guys, especially if they're not getting the, the football out. It adds a different dynamic to an offense when you actually have somebody that can can run with the football. And, and I and I hate that we don't look at that and that it's more held against Lamar Jackson as a negative and was held against Josh Allen seemingly as a negative in how they are for quarterbacks that's always been one of my issues Bucky is it's never looked at as a strength because of how we perceive and I'm using the air quotes quarterbacks Mm -hmm. but quarterbacks in 2020 I just I think you now have to have that sort of factor when 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 being a starting quarterback in the NFL
7: Dan if you don't have that club in your bag it is really hard to post a low score on the course. Sure. Right. If you don't have the athleticism, if you don't have the ability to run a little bit, I'm not saying you have to be uh, an A-plus runner, but the ability to use your legs to extend plays, to get first downs, to be utilized a little bit in the read option game, it is really, really hard to move the football consistently in the National Football League. And there's a trickle-up effect, meaning we've seen it in high school, we're seeing it in college, we're seeing these teams and coaches take the best athlete and put him at quarterback. Well, when we get to the pros, you still want to utilize that athleticism. Now, the thing that you want to remember is I don't necessarily want an athlete playing quarterback. I want a quarterback who is athletic. So I still need him to function and do all the things that quarterbacks are asked to do in terms of making the necessary throws and doing all of those things. But if he can run and add a dimension to the offense by being mobile and a playmaker in the run game, it it just changes the way that the defense has to defend you. And I think Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are more alike than different. When I look at Josh Allen, Josh Allen has 25 rushing touchdowns. Lamar Jackson only has 19. And so (laughs) we begin to put this picture over Lamar Jackson like he's the only runner at the position. And Josh Allen is running too. I just think they do it in different ways, and I think there's a, a there's a, a place in our game to be able to appreciate both of them and to appreciate some of the traditional guys like the, the Drew Breeses and the Tom Brady's and all those guys. But I just believe the way the game is going and is going to continue to evolve because the NFL is at the mercy of what college produces. You're going to see more Josh Allen's and Lamar Jackson's and fewer of the Tom Brady types.
6: You know, Lamar Jackson's numbers are a, a bit down this season compared to what they were a year ago. But the, the touchdowns are down and a couple of more interceptions than he had a year ago. But but it's not as far off as people would think. And then the other point that I, that I want to make in sticking up for, for Lamar Jackson and, and seeing where he is, because I actually agree with you. I don't think that Allen has passed. I think the gap is closed. And I think just Josh Allen being mm-hmm. in the conversation of MVP is enough to – Pull even with Lamar, even though Lamar won in the MVP award. To be put in the conversation and to be a guy who's likely would finish in top three in voting, it's good enough for me. I mean, you're there, you're in the conversation, you're that. That's totally fine with me. But you see how the, the Ravens and Bills go about things, and it is different. And I think that their defenses are different for how they, will, how they want to play and how they work in concert with their offense. But maybe most importantly, and it's still brought up, and we saw the difference this year of uh, what Stephon Diggs can do for Josh Allen. And I know the Ravens aren't going to want to do what the Bills are going to do, but again, I will say, look at who the Baltimore Ravens have at wide receiver for Lamar Jackson to throw to. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Willie Sneed or Hollywood Brown or Des Bryant, but that's the wide receivers that he has to throw to. And when you just see what a guy like Stephon Diggs can do for Josh Allen in Buffalo, I think Lamar Jackson at least deserves that opportunity when we are going to compare the two, or at least that needs to be a part of the equation, because for as great as Mark Andrews is at, at, at tight end, it is not a game breaker in a big play receiver like you have with Stefan Diggs in Buffalo. And I think if we saw that in Baltimore, we'd maybe even have a different feeling about Lamar Jackson.
7: I think, I think you're onto something. Uh, Stefan Diggs has helped has certainly helped Josh Allen go from good to great this year. Right. Stephon Diggs is a true number one. Stephon Diggs is an outstanding route runner, creates tremendous separation, so he makes the game easy for Josh Allen to make these throws because he's wide open, and Josh Allen has been cashing in those lottery tickets. Stephon Diggs gives Josh Allen someone that he knows he can go to in a pinch. He and Cole Beasley are both effective in their respective roles. Cole Beasley does a great job working a slot. He's effective on third down, and he does a good job of moving the chains. Stephon Diggs is a pure number one he's a route runner that can run every route in the book and he can get open against all types and i think that helps lamar jackson doesn't have that guy on the perimeter but then the baltimore ravens are also asking lamar jackson to be more of a runner than the bills are asking josh allen they're sprinkling josh allen in as a runner they're using and featuring lamar jackson as a runner that's the slight difference but i mean both guys are winning Um, Lamar Jackson is 29-7 and as a starting quarterback in the league. Josh Allen is 27-15, and both winning quarterbacks. Uh, One has an MVP in Lamar Jackson. The other is in the MVP discussion. I just wish more people would appreciate both of them as opposed to pitting them against one another because I think both of them are really outstanding players, and they're really coming into their own as young players in this league.
6: Fair enough. But you and I know that when you're drafted in the same draft class – you know it. What's that? that? <laughs> the draft class?
7: No, no, no. I'm saying oh. you just know. Like we, we, we can't give both of them their flowers. We have to have the debate because that's yeah, just good conversation.
6: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, heck, look at look at the Eli uh, Philip Rivers Ben Roethlisberger. You know, class oh, of yeah. 2004, right? I mean, that, that that's what it is. Class of you know 84 quarterbacks. When you're in the same draft class and you're a quarterback, that's who you will be compared to. Look. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Mitchell Trubisky will always be linked, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, absolutely.
7: Always, always,
6: He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug Gottlieb here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. You can get Bucky on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. I'm at Dan Byer on Fox. So what really went wrong that led to Dwayne Haskins leaving D.C.? We'll talk about it next year on Fox. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show
5: weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio
7: app.
4: He's Bucky
6: Brooks. I'm Dan Bayer. We are sitting in for Doug today. Gonna to be joined by Pat Forti, a sports illustrator, in just a little bit, talking some college football. I I pride myself, Bucky, on knowing when and where things are happening. And with the with the the year that twenty twenty has been, I think it's been difficult for a lot of people to oh, oh, my goodness, it's September, or here we are in the last week of December. You just have such a tough time knowing what day of the week it is, where you are in the calendar. It's just been crazy. My mind was blown yesterday when I found out that a New Year's Six game was being played on Wednesday. I I knew the national semifinals were coming up on Friday. I knew that was going to happen, but I did not realize that Florida – and Oklahoma were playing in the Cotton Bowl coming up on Wednesday. That was a that was a shock to me that that game was, and, and now it's happening tomorrow, but you want to talk about not having the wherewithal because things are so crazy? That was one of the things to me. I did not realize we were having a New Year's <laughs> Six game on Wednesday. And I know they've been like before New Year's Day before, but all of a sudden they have it boom Be on Wednesday. Just crazy, crazy.
7: It, it, it is crazy. It's a different time. I'm not going to lie. The bowl season has kind of thrown me off because of the postponements of the conference championship game. We haven't had that that gap in between to be like, oh, okay, now let's get ready for bowl season. It was conference championships. Oh, there's a bowl game on Monday. They're they're playing to the M- Myrtle Beach. What, what 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 is going on? And so it it has been a little different. But I'm I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm a football junkie, so I don't mind if they're if they're playing and they're putting it on TV. I am watching. So let the new year six begin.
6: You are like many around there, probably like Pat Forty as well, a Sports Illustrated covering college football. Pat joins us now on Fox Sports Radio. Happy holidays, Pat. How are you?
5: Doing well, guys. Happy holidays to you.
6: I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what it's like to 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 write a, a piece for any entity, but I want to know what your thoughts are when all of a sudden your piece from Sports Illustrated a month and a half ago on Clemson and the uh, the art of sign stealing gets brought to the forefront again with Ryan Day's comments of Ohio State uh, n- not coming out and just saying just uh, that they are stealing signs, but just saying that they, they do a good job, that they, they know what you're running and, and, and whatnot. How much of a of a dirty little secret was this before you ended up writing that piece in November?
5: Well, uh, you know that's a good question because it, it, it was one of those things that I first heard about in October. Uh, Rhett Lashley, the offensive coordinator at Miami, was asked on a Zoom call about it. And he's like, oh, yeah, they do it. And I was like, oh, really? And then you start asking around the sport. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, Clemson's the best at it. I'm like, really? And it's one of those things people didn't want to talk about publicly, per se. They sure didn't deny it. Uh, but since, you know, nobody wanted to attach their name to it quite the way Rhett Lashley did. And that kind of got the ball rolling. And then I asked Brian Kelly about it. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he said we lived it, which very much was an allusion to when they played, I think, in the playoff in 2018 against Clemson. And the Ohio State game last year is one that a lot of people, for when I was reporting that story, pointed to as like, yeah, Ohio State's boat racing them early, and then all of a sudden everything changes. You, you know why? Because Clemson got the signals. And I, I can't say that's exactly what happened, but that's what a lot of people thought. So it was really interesting just kind of to pull back the curtain on something that, that a lot of people knew about.
7: Man, that that's so fascinating. In the National Football League, you hear about it at times, and there were teams that were better at it than, than others. But for Clemson to be so good at that is interesting. So Clemson takes on Ohio State, and there was a lot of controversy, in, in my estimation, in terms of picking the Final Four and the fact that Ohio State didn't play a full schedule like some of the other teams. Do you think that works to their advantage or is that a disadvantage for them facing the Clemson team in the playoff?
5: I'd have to think it's an advantage because you're going to be healthier and fresher. Um, And as you said, you know, right before I came on, there there wasn't the usual gap between the end of the regular season and the start of bowl games. So there wasn't a lot of time for bodies to heal up. So if you're Ohio State, it's probably a good thing that you played basically every other week, four or six weeks or seven weeks, you know, and and had a lot of time off there. And you just you didn't accumulate the uh, the hits and the, the 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 injuries uh, maybe that other teams did playing 11 or 12 games so you know I, I do think it helps them and it, hey it was a very difficult year for the selection committee to decide who belonged in and who didn't and this was going to be part and parcel of it you knew from the big from the get-go is that there was going to be wide disparities in number of games played uh,
6: How how does Clemson view Ohio State because for those that don't know, Ohio State's never beaten Clemson, and and recently you mentioned the game last year. There was a thirty-one nothing blowout in the semifinal, you know, a few years ago. How does Clemson look? Uh, look at the Buckeyes.
5: Uh, you know, I think they look at them as a team they can beat because they have. Uh, mm-hmm. But now last year's game was a heck of a game. I mean, it was, and for a while it really did look like Clemson was on the verge of being blown out and needed to just kind of make just enough plays to get out of there with a victory, including, you know, an interception in the end zone uh, in the final minute. But, you know, I, I think Clemson feels – Clemson, I mean, the, part, of, part of Dabo Sweeney is an incredible confidence in his team and in himself, and I think they think they're the best program in the country, and they've staked a pretty good claim to it in the last five years. Uh, so I don't think they look at Ohio State as anything other than another team they can beat, but athletically, in terms of talent, uh, you know, and, and coaching and all that, I think that the, they're pretty close to being on the same plane, those two programs.
7: You know, another program that people wonder if they're on the same plane is Notre Dame. Notre Dame has been in the playoff a few times, and it hasn't gone well for them. How can they change that reputation when they're facing a daunting task and taking on Alabama? Yeah,
5: this is, this is going to be a tough one because that's already the reputation that, you know, Notre Dame can't compete in the big games. And that's why, for them, it was so big when they beat Clemson in the regular season. But then you follow it up against a full-strength Clemson with Trevor Lawrence and with three defensive starters back who missed that game in South Bend, and you get ripped. Uh, And that just brings all the criticisms back. Um, And now, I mean, this is almost one of those where uh, – you always want you want to make the playoff, but but boy, do you want to make it as a barely getting in fourth seed that has to play, play an Alabama team that's a 20-point favorite and can hang 50 on anybody? Uh, is a tough assignment and I think it really kind of sets up Notre Dame for another big failure.
6: Pat of Sports Illustrated, joining us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug today. Pat, I ask this to, to any college football guest we have on because I'm so enamored by it and I'm just I'm, I'm trying to get a feel. How big is the gap between Alabama, Clemson and Ohio State and everyone else in college football?
5: Well, I, you know, it's real. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the results speak for themselves, and the, the consistency with which those three programs have operated versus everyone else uh, is significant. And that's one of the reasons, you know, the playoff semifinals have been pretty lopsided for the most part in the playoff era. Uh, you know, Alabama has tended to kill teams. Clemson, for the most part, has killed teams. Uh, you know, they, they have separated themselves, uh, and they do it in recruiting. They do it with facilities. They do it with staff size. Everything you know, the the they they are on kind of their own level and have and have kind of established a a new new benchmark for everybody else to shoot at. I, I went and looked at the final CFP selection committee rankings for all seven years of the playoff, and there's no doubt that those three are way ahead. And then there's a gap to Oklahoma, and then there's a gap after Oklahoma to Georgia and Notre Dame, and there's kind of your tiers of how things have gone. Basically the best team in the SEC, whether it's Alabama or last year, LSU uh, and then Clemson and then Ohio state, and then there's everyone else.
7: You know, Pat, you've been really, really outspoken on this. So I want to make sure I give you some, some time to talk about it. We've talked about the pandemic and COVID and how it has impacted athletic programs around the country and not just football programs. Can you expand on what you have seen and observed in terms of how, Schools or athletic departments have hidden behind the pandemic to shed some of the programs that they didn't want to have on their rosters anyway,
5: yeah, Bucky, I mean, I think it's you know it's a terrible byproduct of of the times uh, is that you know, hey, we all love football uh football is is a lot of fun, it's great, and it helps you know some of us have jobs covering football uh, and talking about football, but It has become so big to the exclusion of everything else, you know, and it used to be that it was an understood part of a university's mission to have a broad-based athletic program and that the revenue was going to come from football to fund all those other sports. And now increasingly, the revenue from football funds football. And if other sports, you know, if, if if they can't make enough money, then those other sports are vulnerable to being uh, jettisoned. And that's what we've seen during the pandemic. And, yeah, a lot of it, I think, has been cover, basically, an excuse to, to do what athletic directors are already wanted to do, which was to eliminate those sports. They they don't make money. Uh, they eat up uh, staff. They eat, you know, allocations. Uh, most of the athletic directors don't really care about those sports. And, and so, they're looking for reasons to to get rid of a lot of them. It's a sad thing for those athletes and those coaches that that are involved. I mean, there's a lot of people that are going to college and having schools help pay for them so that they can play those non-revenue sports. And and athletic directors increasingly are turning to those athletes and saying, we don't care about you and we're not going to have programs for you anymore
6: quite a 2020 and uh yes a lot of those excuses are being made he's pat 40 from sports illustrated covering college football and so much more find him on twitter at by pat 40 pat we appreciate it happy new year and we'll uh, we'll do it again in 2021 thanks so much my
5: pleasure guys thank you be sure to catch the live edition of the doug gottlieb show weekdays at 3 p.m eastern noon pacific
8: witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury
3: VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash impact.
1: This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class
6: Still so much to play for the National Football League. Week 17 is upon us. 14 teams making the playoff field the change. Uh, this is the first year of the change, so you have an expanded playoffs. Of course, only one team in each conference getting a bye, so a lot to play for. in the uh, Specifically in the NFC, when you've got a division still up for grabs, when you've got a wildcard spot up for grabs, and you still have the first overall seed still up for grabs, the first overall seed in the AFC is the only thing decided there, where we know the Chiefs are going to have home field advantage for as long as they are in the AFC playoffs. But Other than that, Bucky, a lot to be decided coming up on sunday
7: yeah big big football weekend uh it's it's, i love this part of the schedule where everything has significant implications obviously we have all these games where if you win you get in um which is great i love seeing how teams perform under the pressure and then the teams that are kind of needing help you know so you operate kind of working you're the dallas cowboys and you won't find out your fate until after the Washington football team takes on the Philadelphia Eagles. And so you got to go and take care of business. Are you focused enough to be able to do that knowing that it may not lead to anything? I just love this time. of So there are a bunch of fascinating games to watch and we'll see because the playoffs this year are unlike anything that we've seen seven teams in each conference going in one team in each conference, getting a playoff by that matters significantly. And so we'll see what it looks like. And I think that the
6: the one team buy played a part into what we heard today from Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't think that Mike Tomlin should stop with Ben Roethlisberger. For those that missed it, the Steelers head coach saying that Mason Rudolph would be the team's starting quarterback in Week 17 against the Cleveland Browns. The Browns obviously have a lot to play for. They need a win to make the postseason. Pittsburgh – with the new scenario as it is, Bucky doesn't have as much to play for. For the simple fact of there is no buy for the first round. If if it was under the previous format of these of these six teams and the two buys, Pittsburgh and Buffalo right now are sitting there at twelve and three. Pittsburgh would need to beat Cleveland and have Buffalo lose to Miami to be able to get that first round buy. Now with the situation that it is. Both teams are going to have to play wildcard weekend anyway. So if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, instead of maybe trying to get that bye or playing your guys and hoping the Dolphins can knock over the Buffalo or knock off the Buffalo Bills, you're looking at it as like, what is best for my team to enter the bracket? And the best thing for them is to give, in my mind, Ben Roethlisberger and anybody else that needs a rest to give them off in week 17 for the simple fact of this team has been through a ringer of a schedule, hasn't had a bye since week four of the season. Pittsburgh basically I think just needs to sit as many people as they can in week 17 so they can actually enter the playoffs fresh because there just isn't as much to gain uh, in this format compared to what it would have been the other years.
7: No, there's there's not. And I, and I think for the Pittsburgh Steelers um, – I think they do need that break because remember they had the weird um, COVID situations twice, once with the Tennessee Titans, another time with the Baltimore Ravens where they basically lost their bye weeks. And so they played three games within some crazy short span of days. And so they need time to reset, not only physically, but mentally. So Mike Tomlin taking a look at his team, understanding where they are and saying, it doesn't really matter who we play in the next round of the playoffs. It is more important for us to get our guys back healthy, to get them fresh, to get them focused on being able to be at their best in the postseason. And so if we take an L at the end of the season, then we take an L. But we're going to make sure that we preserve our top guys and make sure they're ready to go when the tournament starts in a week.
6: You mentioned something there in in a scenario, because there's there are a lot of layers to what's happening in Week 17. But do you think that NFL teams or coaches would – would maneuver their situation to face an opponent they'd want to play in the playoffs
7: M- meaning like- no, I, don't, I don't I don't think you'd do that. I think you are mindful of teams that you match up with, and I wouldn't say that a coach would deliberately um lose a game or manipulate their situation to put mm-hmm. them in a situation put them in an opportunity to face the team that they feel better about. But I do believe you know that certain teams are great matchups for you. You know, hey, whenever we see this team, we know that we match up with them well. We'll play them wherever, home, away, parking lot, doesn't matter. There are other teams that you look at and you're like, man, we can beat them, but this is not a great matchup. Either their style or the kind of players they have or, or whatever. It's something that is different. Um, and you're aware of that. I think in Pittsburgh's case right now, it doesn't matter because I think right, they're slotted to play face maybe either the Baltimore Ravens who they probably yeah. feel good about, or the Cleveland Browns again, who they would also feel good about, you know. And so I I think if you're Mike Tomlin, you're saying, hey, I'm going to preserve my best guys and we'll take on whoever happens to get their way to us.
6: I, I'm surprised that you would say they feel good about playing the Ravens. I, I know they beat them twice this year. But mm-hmm. One of the games was with Lamar Jackson. It was one of the crazy, you know, because mm-hmm. of the Ravens' COVID situation. You know, the – The cliche that we hear, it's difficult to beat a team three times in one season. That's what Pittsburgh would would be Mm -hmm. needing to do if they were to face Baltimore. Yeah, but I
7: I, I understand all of those things. And they did win twice. Uh, The Baltimore Ravens did take them to the mat uh, with the JV team when they played in the middle of the week. Um, It is a division rivalry, so they know you like no other. But you also know them. And you've seen them enough. You're not spooked by them. You know what it's going to be, like a physical hard-hitting game. And you just feel like we beat them twice. If we have four strength, we'll knock them out again. And so I don't think when you get to a certain point, if you're a top team, you don't wince and moan and, and whine and worry about any team that is on the schedule. You line up and play who is in front of you. And I think Pittsburgh feels that way, particularly knowing that the Ravens could be one of those opponents and they're very familiar with what they do and how they play.
6: I don't I, no NFL team is is going to take anyone lightly, nor should they in the AFC playoffs, but that's the job for me and and now you as you're a member of of the media is to look at these matchups and I just look at it and I look at Pittsburgh's situation for their game on on Sunday against Cleveland, if Cleveland wins that game, they're in the playoffs and as you mentioned, there could be a possibility where you end up playing Cleveland in a in a first round matchup. And I'll Mm -hmm. say this, I would much rather face a Cleveland team, if I'm Pittsburgh, than to face Baltimore, who you mentioned, or to face the team that actually needs the Steelers' help to get back into the playoffs, and that's the team that they just rallied from a 17-point deficit and were able to beat this past week in the Indianapolis Colts. So I would look at the Steelers' situation to rest their guys almost as a way of – of maybe even saving themselves a little because I just I'd much rather play Cleveland than I would to have to play Indianapolis in a playoff game. I'd much rather face what Cleveland has to bring you than what what the Colts have to bring you on on defense. Uh, you know, Philip Rivers is is still a a veteran savvy quarterback. The way that Jonathan Taylor has run the ball and to beat that team again, you know, in a, in a span of of you know, twice in three weeks, I think is a very, very tough task. So I, I, it's why I think that Pittsburgh should rest more guys. Cause I think it's advantageous for them if they allow, or, or if Cleveland would win that game, which would allow Cleveland to get into the playoffs and maybe keeping a team like Indianapolis out of the postseason.
7: Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at the playoff matchups right now, the way that it would, if, the, if it ended up today, Buffalo would take on Cleveland, Pittsburgh would take on Baltimore, Tennessee would face Miami. Um, yeah, I think Buffalo, Cleveland, man, that's a good matchup.
6: Well, uh, and, and, and I'll good even bring matchup. up this situation. If Buffalo beats Miami the, like they do and the Colts beat the Jaguars and the Browns uh, end up beating the Steelers and the Ravens would beat the Bengals, the Steelers would get the Browns in the first round. You would have Buffalo being the two-seed facing the Colts who just got in. Tennessee would end up getting Baltimore. That is if Miami, again, Miami would have to lose to Buffalo in that situation where – you know buffalo's yeah it possible how much buffalo has to play for i'm not necessarily sure uh considering
7: well i mean the division depends because yeah yeah because the division is locked up there's not another buy buffalo and pittsburgh are tied so the only thing that would flip flop would be the seeds but that doesn't really necessarily matter so
6: doesn't matter when there's no fans both pittsburgh and buffalo are cold places You know, like if, if, right? I mean, seriously. Like, I don't like Buffalo. Would they're trying to get a few fans to to attend their playoff game? But if Buffalo gets the two seed and Pittsburgh ends up winning and is the three seed, then it's Buffalo against Pittsburgh in the divisional playoff. What's the difference in that game if it's played in Pittsburgh or if it's played in Buffalo? You know, especially too the travel is was what. You know, forty-five minute flight, an hour flight. But, you know, I mean, yeah. for you know, I mean, so it's not like it's a travel issue either. You're both playing in a cold spot. It's just maybe sleeping in your own bed the night before. Like that would be the that would be the the only difference of it. So that that's maybe it's another reason why Pittsburgh doesn't need to beat Cleveland. But I just I would much rather have the Browns and Dolphins in the postseason than I would to have the Ravens or the Colts. And by having the the, the Browns be able to get in. At, with a win over Pittsburgh, I I know coaches don't think like this, but we think like this. I'm resting as many guys as I can. If if I'm they they need that more. And it would benefit them more than anything else. I I don't think Mike Tomlin said that Ben's gonna gonna sit, and there may be another player or two that sits. I think mm-hmm. that there should be another eight or nine players oh, to that sit. You just yeah, you make it a preseason game. Well, why not? Why no. Why not? There's nothing for them to really play for in in that scenario. There just well, isn't. Here, here's, not the,
7: here's what in, they in today's NFL what they have to play for. Because remember, coming into last week, this is a team that hadn't been playing well. All right, so. What they need to play for is they need to continue to find their rhythm. And even though Ben Roethlisberger isn't playing, they still have things to work on. The running game has been terrible. They need to work on that part of it. Defensively, you want to tighten up and give some of the new guys that are playing in unfamiliar roles, give them more experience. So there's still a lot to play for in terms of building momentum to feel better about your team going into the tournament. Um as opposed to just, hey, we'll just trick it off and give it to the other team, and don't worry about it, we'll flip the switch in the playoffs. I don't know if that's doable. I, th- I think there's, there's still a lot to play for if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is the,
6: is there any any value in playing? Uh, it could, uh, Pittsburgh's not in the traditional spoiler role where it's usually a team that has nothing to play for, you know, has five wins and ends up knocking off another team. But Pittsburgh could spoil Cleveland's season. Is there any value in Pittsburgh in doing that to a division rival against the Browns.
7: Absolutely. You know what? Oh, okay. Misery loves company, and nothing is better than sending somebody home. <laughs> so there's nothing nothing better than that. In Philadelphia, you heard Jim Swartz talk about we have the no hat rule this week, meaning we don't want to see the Washington football team get hats and stuff on our field. So, yes, if I'm not going, you're not going. And if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers and I got opportunity to send you home for the offseason, I absolutely relish that opportunity to send you home.
8: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
2: Traveling for one of the big conference tourneys in Nashville or Minneapolis this March? Do yourself a favor, stay at Graduate Hotels, Bridgestone Arena Target Center Their hotels are close to both tournament venues. So why would you stay anywhere else? I love staying at the Nashville location, and I'll be at the Minneapolis location for the Big Ten Championship. And if you're one of my listeners, you can save 30% off with the promo code Doug. That's Doug, D-O-U-G. Good at any Graduate Hotels location, up to 30% off. How do you do it? Really simple. Book today at graduatehotels.com.
4: Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears.